It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Today we ponder, what is the earliest a team has ever clinched the division? And could the Vikings do it by Thanksgiving? Luke Inman, Superior Sports Talk, preparing for my loser punishment after the Jags do me dirty <laughs> once again. Uh, Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network. One, currently wondering how bad the Jags have to be against the spread. And two, I am on location at the scene of the crime. Uh, what's up, everybody? I'm Luke Braun of the Locked On Vikings podcast, and I'm I'm not going to snitch. Coming off of the bye week, we are ready for some Vikings talk for the next hour. It's the Minnesota football party. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talks Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Hello and welcome in everyone. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. Welcome into the Minnesota football party. Today's episode brought to you by BetOnline, BetOnline.net, where the game starts. Joined as always by Luke Inman of Superior Sports Talk. He's at Luke underscore Spinman, Arif Hassan on location at Arif Hassan NFL and Luke Braun. Locked On Vikings, Locked On Vikings postcast at Luke Braun. NFL on today's show a Viking was arrested that's not good uh, the Viking with the most to prove after the bye week and an early preview of the Arizona Cardinals Sunday noon U.S. Bank Stadium before we dive headfirst into all of it we are available on Amazon Fire and Roku it's a great viewing experience so instead of watching us on your tiny mobile device or your slightly bigger laptop you can watch us on your 80 inch TV with Amazon Fire and Roku, check it out. Locked on Sports, Minnesota. Gentlemen, the bye week is over and the Vikings extended the division lead. It's now two and a half after the Packers dropped their third consecutive against a Washington Commanders team led by Taylor Heineke. Arif Hassan, are the Vikings going to clinch the division by Thanksgiving as I posited in my open? I mean, they have to, that run, that, that question runs through Taylor Heineke, right? Specifically. So uh, that's obviously, that's going to be very tough. Uh, sleeper. sleeper agent. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, incredible player, Old Dominion's best quarterback in, in Old Dominion history. He also was there first. So, you know, there's something there. Uh, and it's a revenge game. So, no, I mean, yeah, I think the Vikings are in a, a really good spot to be able to clinch the division. By Thanksgiving, yeah. I mean, the Packers have like the Bills coming up, right? So that's... Is it even mm -hmm. is it even mathematically mm -hmm. possible? I didn't even think about it. It's one. Uh, it's Cardinals okay. game, Washington, Buffalo, Dallas. So it's four, and then four Thanksgiving games. So is the, the Vikings fifth. Went out, right? If they so... go eleven and one. Do we count the Packers the game three on Thanksgiving? And... Well, I'm let, for the sake of the argument. That let's say that it? I think they could. I think they could do it before. So if they were ten and this is a ridiculous conversation, by the way. The Vikings yeah, were the Vikings going like undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah, they can. 
if the Vikings went yes, undefeated, the they can. would be yes. ten and one. Yeah. yeah, and then the Packers would have to lose three games to have to be to have seven losses, and then they wouldn't be. Left so alive. you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. Um, Luke Luke Inman though, I mean the Packers three and four matching their their season high in losses in the Matt Lafleur era in week seven. What's going on in Green Bay, and is this the Vikings? division to lose without a doubt man yeah they look like garbo can't argue that consecutive losses to the jets at home and then to taylor heineke as mentioned you just hate to see it you know you don't want that for any green bay fan they'll probably lose next week at buffalo too as arif mentioned and i think it's just in vikings fans nature to remain very pessimistic and writing them off hope for the best but expect the worst kind of mentality and I think fans feel that way because you look at the Packers, still doesn't feel like it's just lack of talent like the Bears that's losing them these games. It's play calling, poor decision making by Rodgers in critical points of the game. And I think they just clearly haven't figured out how they're going to adjust from losing Devontae yet. And they still have no identity on offense. People look at like the Chiefs, right? And how well they've adjusted from life after Tyreek. You see Mahomes spreading it all over the field, going through his reads, finding the open man. And then a few times, obviously, like he does every game, makes something special happen with his feet and his arms. Same thing we're used to seeing Rodgers do. But I think having a coach like Andy Reid on the sideline, calling plays, helps Mahomes tremendously, and their relationship is outstanding. I think that's the big difference I see right now. We talked a lot about how the relationship between the coach and the quarterback is so vital to a team's success right now. I look at LaFleur and Rodgers. I see two guys that just don't want to take any of the blame and admit where they need to improve. And until that relationship, I think, gets figured out, I think they're going to continue to struggle. So... Yeah, you look at the division, three-game lead, that's great. Vikings have some really tough games on the docket of their own, though. On top of, they're going to play all three of these division teams on the road to end the season. So I think because it's still A-Rodg, until the Packers are like officially out of it, dead in the water, I don't think fans are going to want to admit the reality of just how far away the Packers are to being good right now. Look at the rest of the division, Bears... They're no threat, obviously, at this point. Flat out, just don't have the talent in year one of a rebuild. The Lions, I think if the draft were to start today, I think they have the number one overall pick. So even if they get guys like Jamison Williams and Josh Paschal, their second round pick back, DeAndre Swift's healthy again, even if they turn it back on, it's probably too little, too late for them. So yeah, they're probably going to end up winning this thing when it's all said and done. But is it with 10 wins? Is it with nine wins? That's obviously not the feeling you want kind of backing into the playoffs like that. Let's frame it up this way. If the Vikings go 10 and 6, Braun, Packers would have to go 7 and 3 and beat the Vikings or go 8 and 2 and not beat the Vikings. But it 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 becomes more difficult when you think about the Vikings just going a little below 500. The Packers have a pretty tall task to catch them. Right. If they regress to a 5 and 6 finish, which feels a little more appropriate for the kind of team this is, right? If you go, oh man, you know, they were struggling against backup quarterbacks and these teams aren't good and blah, blah, and you want to say all that stuff and predict a regression, that regression is probably like six and five or five and six. And that, yeah, like you said, that allows two or three losses for the Packers. They're going to have to beat the Cowboys. They're going to have to beat the Bills. They're going to have to find wins in places where it's not as easy to. And I think beyond that, like if, if I'm in the Packers organization, I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at, why can't we push the ball downfield when we drafted all these speedy guys? Why can't we 
get Aaron Jones going as much as Aaron Jones should be, even though he's been really efficient. Like, why can't we get more meat off that bone? The Packers are like broken on offense. And like they need to fix that if they want to even think about contending for this division. Otherwise, they're going to end up with seven wins and a really weird dead cap hit. Seven wins. That's probably getting you a wild card in this year's NFC. Um, Packers (laughs) also have the Eagles. Haven't faced them yet. They're going to have the Dolphins in all likelihood with their starting quarterback, which the Vikings did not have. They've got the Titans, uh, Cowboys and Bills you mentioned too. So it's not super easy for the Packers going forward. Um, Arif, have you dug into the Packers much? I know you're a national writer now, big shot. Um, have you have you looked into why they are struggling the way they are offensively? I mean, I think it's a number of things. I mean, the most obvious, of course, is that they no longer have Devonta Adams and haven't been able to replace the kind of talent that they have their receiver. But I mean, some of it's just Aaron Rodgers, right? Some of it's just that he is unwilling to trust the receivers that he has, that he's more willing to trust receivers that he's worked with for quite a while, players like Randall Cobb and, unfortunately, Amari Rodgers, um, than he is, you know, the more talented players that he hasn't had very much time with, like, unfortunately for me to have to say this, Christian Watson or uh, Romeo Dubs. It's just something that he needs to develop with his receivers um, because he is very particular about what he wants to do with the ball, and the receivers have to be used to that. Um, a lot of really elite quarterbacks kind of have this relationship with the receivers where um, they'll do stuff that breaks the rules all the time and those receivers know what that means and will always be there to, to kind of take advantage of that and none of these receivers except for maybe Randall Cobb are uh, comfortable enough with Rodgers for that that's offensively and that's only some of it Rodgers is playing um, too emotionally I guess is very the opposite of Kirk Cousins I mean we made some jokes maybe even last week about um, how Rodgers plays like very emotional football and how after uh, the, his team gets scored on he immediately tries a deep shot and yeah, that's true, and that's hurting them. Um, but also, just he continues to play unsound football at big moments because he's historically been able to get away with it, and it's making his throws worse. Now, again, his throws on some of those plays are some of the best throws in football, but they're not helping the receiver because they could be better, right? That throw to Amari Rodgers yesterday um, where Rodgers dropped it, it was it was too far ahead of Amari Rodgers. And most receivers should catch that. But Rodgers had time to set his feet, throw the ball in a spot that's a little bit more accurate so that Amari Rodgers doesn't have to lay himself out for the ball. Just small things that add up like that that increase the odds of your receivers being successful. That's offensively. Defensively, Joe Barry is just not a very good defensive coordinator. There's tons of really amazing fantastic pieces on that defense. There is some regression. Eric Stokes is playing poorly. They're not getting as much as they want out of Darnell Savage. But that defense is very good in terms of the talent that they have. And Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator, is just not doing a very good job, hasn't done a very good job, uh, of making that talent work together. Um, Plenty more to come on the Vikings and their path to the division title and coming off the bye. I don't know how much analysis I need to do on this, but just reporting the news, Ole Udo got arrested on Saturday. Um, Vikings tackle, backup, final year of his contract, arrested for uh, disorderly conduct and resisting arrest in South Florida. Don't know what that means for his status. He was not expected to play, of course, in this Cardinals game. So on the field, probably doesn't hurt the Vikings. Ole Udo, though, in some legal hot water. I don't really have much more to add on that, not knowing many details. I don't know if anybody else wants to add anything on Udo specifically. I personally have reservations about the Vikings tackle depth, if we want to loop that in. Like, I still don't know who exactly they would rely upon if O'Neal went down or 
Derisaw went down. And this news sort of reminded me that, oh, yeah, the Vikings haven't had a major injury on the offensive line or really, you know, around the roster. They've lost, of course, Lewis Seen. They've had backups and, and some special teams rookies go down. But the health regression, Luke Braun, I feel like that's something that the Vikings need to be just a little bit concerned of. And if you want to talk about Oliudo here, you can as well. But um, the health has been really good. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't have too much to add to the Ole Udo stuff until we know more. It just feels like it'd be premature to start throwing out takes right now. Um, but in terms of the health concern, uh, yeah, pretty crazy to get to your week seven bye without getting at or without getting more banged up than the Vikings are right now. Mm -hmm. um, at tackle, I would say right now, if it's not Ole Udo, if he's like suspended or whatever, it would be Blake Brandell would come in um as as the backup tackle and i i actually don't know which one it, it, the vikings would prefer on the field um but it kind of depends on which position you're talking about right if you lose you know christian derisaw or justin jefferson well you're never going to have a guy on the roster that just like comes in and does what those guys do you're going to have to completely reshape the way that you construct your protection calls or your offensive play calls respectively like you're going to have to completely reshape everything. If you lose Dalvin Tomlinson, well, they've already been pretty comfortable putting in James Lynch for two or three drives a game. Uh, or somebody like Ross Blacklock, they've actually had a few good things to say. If you lose Jordan Hicks, they're already starting to tr kind of experiment with Brian Osamoa instead of, of Jordan Hicks. They're already comfortable with that for at least a few snaps a game, so it's not as much of a reach. Um, you know, If you lose Cam Bynum, Josh Mattel has played well in reserve. So like it kind of depends on where on the roster you're talking about, but there are absolutely areas where going into the season, we've talked about this. They cannot afford a, like a major injury in certain areas. And of course you can't afford to lose your superstars. Nobody can. Um, so we just kind of have to hope that this clean bill of health continues for as long as possible. Or if they do get bit by the injury bug, they get bit in ways that they can overcome. Inman. Do you think that KOC is justified now in sort of the hold the starters in the preseason approach? Because they have been unbelievably healthy. Harrison Smith is the only starter who's missed a game, and he missed one game. Um, do you think that there's justification now for the, the caution that he had in the preseason? Yeah, you could certainly make that case again. I mean, that can't be overstated how well the Vikings have been able to stay healthy and on the field. That's huge. I think devil's advocate, a lot of people would say, well, yeah, but they could have used those reps. When you look at just the inconsistencies they've had on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively, and got some more live reps against different competition, you know, just to kind of get the timing and the chemistry, all the cliches down. But just to be able to get those reps against different competition would have been nice. But I think at the end of the day, especially, it's an easy pill to swallow now that they're winning games, these close games, while they figure out some of those inconsistencies along the way. At the end of the day, you'd rather have the healthy team while you're certainly starting to figure out some of those inconsistencies versus the alternative. Arif, anything to add? Yeah, I think um, one thing to to point out is that the Vikings do have three backup tackles on their act or not active fifty three man roster, which is pretty unusual because uh, it's Blake Brandell, Oli Udo, and Radarian Lowe, who I believe is no longer on the practice squad at least last I checked. Um, so that's interesting. You know, it gives the Vikings a little bit more to work with. Not that I trust Lowe. Um, are you going to interrupt and say he's on the practice squad now? 
Um, he's rostered. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, yeah. So three tackles is kind of unusual to have uh, in a backup situation, which means the Vikings are uniquely capable of kind of absorbing this particular problem. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's not great. I, I From my read on what had happened in training camp, it would be that Blake Brandell would be the one that steps up instead of Aludo. So the Vikings lose their backup backup tackle in this scenario um, if, you know, if it, if it continues to play out like it seems like it will. Uh, and so, um, yeah, that's an issue, right? But it's, it's certainly not um, the worst issue. Like when the Vikings had uh, J. Ron Curse uh, over the bye week um, commit a DWI or DUI, um, he, uh, you know, they, they cut him and the Vikings actually lost someone who contributed in a meaningful way, both on special teams and potentially as a third safety from time to time. Uh, and so that was a bigger issue, right? And that was a player that they cut. Um, this seems like it, it's not going to impact the Vikings, um, you know, roster plans all that much, even after we account for the fact that they'll probably regress because they're currently the healthiest team in the league in terms of starters. Yeah. I don't to this think point, when first. a guy like uh, Christian Derrissaw has gone out for a snap or Did two, he? has okay. it been pretty an even split as far as Blake Brandle getting a few snaps and Ole Udo getting a few snaps? I feel like uh, Brandle's been first off the bench, yeah? Yeah, that's that's been my impression. Off the bench. Okay. Almost and Ole Udo got, some as, Ole Udo got some as a sixth offensive line which is a different thing. I think Ole Udo might be like a backup guard too. Like that might be why he's the extra guy. Well, now I'm down the J-Ron curse rabbit hole. Did they not cut him? Yeah, that's when you guys... I thought they let him walk. 27th. They must have let him walk. That's my bad. This... Yeah, that's all right. You, uh, you're allowed to make mistakes once in a while. Um, the... This episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net. And speaking of mistakes, oh my gosh, the uh, actually the gambling didn't go terribly this week for any of us. Um, BetOnline is your number one source for football you betting and the start you. of the new basketball season. Um, I'm never going to get through this read. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts. The Vikings started Just minus five. Against Arizona. Now they're minus four against Arizona. People are backing Marie and Hopkins and Kingsbury. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all sports wagering info. It's basketball, it's football, it's World Series, MMA, boxing, golf. Head there today or on your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. The Viking yeah. with the most to prove <laughs> no, no. out of the bye. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, okay, so I, I quit. In terms of, in, in terms of who has the most to gain from post buy performance, I think it's Garrett Bradbury. Maybe not necessarily with the Vikings, but given that he is one of the free agents that is currently starting for the Vikings, that you have to worry about, right? Because like Dalvin Tomlinson doesn't really have much to prove. Patrick Peterson might retire. I don't know. Um, but Garrett Bradbury will probably want to continue his career. And if he finishes out the season with um, some strong play, he'll be able to get a good contract, whether that's with the Vikings or more likely with somebody else. So I think that he's probably got the most to prove in terms of what he can gain from a high-level performance this year. I would apply all those same logic points to Irv Smith because I think Irv Smith could still like if Irv Smith really balls out down the stretch, there is this like air of potential around him and it'll feel like he's finally living up to a potential that's been like stapled to his name for years. And I think that that can 
create a greater market, whether it's with the Vikings or otherwise, than somebody like Bradbury, who has the the word potential slid off of him a long time ago. Um, but otherwise, yeah, all the same kind of things. It's it's there's definitely money on the line for all these 2019 guys that are looking at the market. Going to be weird when the Vikings, for a third straight off season, cut ties or let walk a pretty capable starting tight end, like Kyle Rudolph cut. Tyler Conklin, let walk, too expensive. And Irv Smith, I assume, let walk, especially um, unless his lack of performance allows them to sign him back more favorably to the team. I feel like he probably is done after this year. Inman, would you agree with that? It feels like it through these first, what, six games, seven weeks. And a lot of people were high on Cam Bynum. And then obviously he wins that starting job out the gate too. And now especially that Lewis seems hurt and there's no backup option. I feel like he's got even more pressure. Josh Mattels is back there. He's certainly got some reps too, but he's been one of the worst defenders on the team, according to PFF. Just no flashes, kind of like we saw in limited action last season, and then during training camp, the few practices that I went to, he was flying all over. I'm hoping we see more flashes like we saw last year from Bynum out of the bye, and was a guy that had a lot of expectations, especially once he won that starting job, that just hasn't lived up to the hype so far. All right, Adam Thielen. Through six games, career-low contested catch rate at 30%. Career-low mm-hmm. passer rating when targeted. Career-low yards per route run. Adam Thielen has a 19, almost $20 million cap hit next year. That's not going to hold up. Um, Adam Thielen needs to, I think, have a better second half to establish that he's going to be around you know, into the future. Because And it's a really tough contract to get out from under next year. They kicked it down the road where dead cap, $13 million next year. That's not super easy to just absorb. They've got enough dead cap problems as it is. Um, and I think Thielen probably will play ball with a renegotiation. Like I think that he probably just is and wants to be that kind of legacy player. Um, but if he goes to the second half of the year, guys... And he's unable to make those contested catches. He's not scoring touchdowns. And he looks injured all the time. I think that's problematic for Adam Thielen's future. Your thoughts, Arif? Uh, I think, honestly, there's actually not much that he needs to do. I think that he's playing well and that he's not getting the targets that he deserves. I think that um, when somebody is getting open and they're not getting targeted, sometimes that is just because of the offense or because of the quarterback. Um, you know, I'm I'm a huge stats guy, right? But I think that in this case, when you take a look at the you? way that, yeah, right, <laughs> this yeah, is very brand weird. new I know information. It's, it's yeah, um, no, I've I've turned a corner. I've decided to embrace numbers. No, um, I, I think that <laughs> I, I think that he's playing really well. You know, the the contested catch stuff is concerning, but that's also a really really volatile stat that it operates in very yeah. small samples that changes very much from year to year, much less within the season. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, there's always stuff to work on, but I think that as the Vikings continue to figure out what to do when Justin Jefferson gets um, essentially targeted by the defense, um, they need to incorporate Thielen more. So for me, this is more KOC is something to prove for Thielen than Thielen has something to prove. Um, this is based off of, you know, my um, casual watching of the All-22. I feel like Braun disagrees with this, though. Braun, you've been sort of on the Thielen is aging train. A little, but uh, that he's not his 2018 self. I don't I don't think that's what Arif is saying, though. Like he's he's not that, but okay. I, I think he's transitioning into a different kind of role of being a guy that 
can get open again, single coverage. Get, I, I've been saying late career Chris Carter. That's not an insult. <laughs> um, not. I can get Chris open Carter. on single coverage. Late career, not, Chris not Carter. Late career, not Miami <laughs> Chris Carter. <laughs> um, you know, once in a while like, I get down the, the rabbit hole. Sorry, just to interrupt. I saw a highlight package of a 2000 Vikings game against Buffalo. And 2000, this is the end of Carter in Minnesota. Like what, year before he left or the year he left? One of the, it was either his last year or the, the, the penultimate. He was, was unreal in that game. He was yeah. unreal yeah. in the year. He was probably like 37 years old. He was crazy good. That's all I have. Yeah, yeah everyone was yeah, so think... focused on Moth by then that all he had to do was beat single coverage, get open on third mm -hmm. downs, and be a threat in the red zone. And he was awesome. There's no shame in that, but that's the new role when you're, what is he, 33 now? Good place to be for Yeah, and, and I think yeah. I think Luke and I are kind of on the same page. We just approach the question, I think, from different angles, which is, you know, uh, can Thielen become his 2018 self? No, and I think that's the question that Luke was, was answering. Um, and, uh, you know, the question I'm answering is, can Thielen produce more than he is? And I think that he can without it being necessarily his fault. I think, yeah, the Chris Carter comparison makes a lot of sense. Maybe not from like a sheer talent perspective, but from a role <laughs> perspective, certainly being a red zone yeah. threat, being somebody who can win on the sideline, being somebody who can, you know, beat single coverage and take advantage of the attention that's given to Justin Jefferson. Sorry, and I cut you off. No, I was just going to say, I've seen a lot of mock drafts actually for next year with a lot of people having the Vikings taking a wide receiver and maybe not dissecting the Vikings play the far through these six games and just looking at the stats basically and saying oh Adam Thielen must be regressing a little bit he's getting a little older KJ Osborne maybe not wide receiver three that they expected do you think wide receiver in the first round is as much of an option as maybe some of the national media people writing these mock drafts are making it out to be always can never have always <laughs> just keep just keep drafting them no, I, I like Osborne, really good man. wide receivers anything with yeah that. Oh, oh that sucks too many <laughs> Oh no, if only the offense could control the personnel that's on the field. Ah, too bad. <laughs> yeah. I have never seen that be successful before. Please do not look at Kansas City. <laughs> or the Super Bowl that's winners good. of the last like three years. <laughs> um, let's jump into one of my favorite segments. It's the nerdy stat of the day where everybody produces a nerdy stat. Run it. Analytics fans rejoice. It's time to get educated. Whoa, you're blowing my mind right now. With the nerdy stat of the day. Oh, that's good. What a nerd was that? Whose vision guy? Who wants to start? I'm talking. Let's go. Wild animation for the audio listeners. Watch on YouTube. You can see. Uh, something so, okay anyway uh the stat i'm choosing today is called drive success rate so what it does is it takes a look at the number of first downs that um a team has an opportunity to produce whether that is at the beginning of the drive or a new series of downs so for example if you go three and out you had an opportunity to create one first down if you made one first down conversion you had an opportunity to create two right because you have a new set of downs so uh and then obviously it culminates in touchdown which counts as a first down for the purposes of most statistics including this one so you can end a drive with a drive success rate of 1.0 the average over the course of a game tells us a lot about the ability of a team to 
consistently move the chains, consistently, um, you know, uh, account for field position, right? And it's a pretty decent measure of offense that um, allows you to take advantage of explosive plays because there's fewer first downs you have to gain in order to get a first down uh, or a touchdown. And it also accounts for field position because if you're not scoring a ton of points, but you're always backed up at your own five, you know, that doesn't mean your offense is bad. It just means that you've got bad field position. Drive success rate allows an offense to generate some first downs and get, gives them some credit for that. So um, there's an offensive drive success rate and a defensive drive success rate. And you can get the net of that by uh, subtracting the offense and the defense. And the Vikings, unfortunately, are 20th in drive success rate. And I thought, hey, that kind of makes sense to me. You know, the, the Vikings had like 11 three and outs. That doesn't seem very unusual, right? The, the last time they played, uh, that doesn't seem very unusual. They seem like a streaky team that has a fair number of three and outs. And then when they have a successful drive, everything is clicking. They're going and that's how they score points. And so I figured, you know, they probably have a pretty low drive success rate because of all those three and outs and they're 11th. It's not good, right? But offensively, they're 11th. Um, so I was like, well, that's interesting. So the defense is 19th in drive success, right? So that's actually a bigger issue for the Vikings in terms of the way that they defend because they're allowing other teams to get first downs. Either way, 20th is a huge concern in net drive success, right? Because it means um, that, you know, when it comes to the fundamental act of, you know, offensive football, moving the chains or defending uh, someone from moving the chains, the Vikings are not doing as good of a job as their win total indicates. Very good, Arif. That was excellent. Luke Braun. That was solid. Without looking it up, do you guys know off the top of your head how many times the Vikings have blitzed a safety? Blitzed Ooh, a safety um, I love Blitzed this. a safety specifically. It, it, and that could be a run blitz. That six. could be Harrison Smith coming off the edge. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm uh, not however, he doesn't have run blitzes. So, yeah, pass okay. rush. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go six Arif? total times. This six? Six. Yeah, I'm, gonna go say, under. I'm gonna I'm gonna say three. Under one. One time. Yeah. The entire season they have blitzed a safety. Harrison Smith once he got a hurry. Yep. Yep. If there is an adjustment to be made rate. for this ex- <laughs> for this exceedingly vanilla looking, easy to carve up for everyone's backup quarterback defense, it would be getting those safeties more involved. Now I understand that they like to keep the safeties on the roof pre-snap to help disguise their coverages and to help it be more difficult to read. I understand they're kind of accepting a trade-off there, but sometimes your safeties rotate down. Sometimes you're in a cover three look where a safety is rotating down. Send that dude. He's Harrison Smith. Feels like a, a, a little bit of a... <laughs> it's like, I always say, anytime Harrison now? Smith blitzes, something <laughs> good happens. Always. The, the yes. Vikings have that... a below average always. blitz rate for the season, which is funny because it counts anytime they send all five up front as a blitz, right? Because any, yeah. anytime you've passed for the purpose of these statistics, anytime you send four uh, over four pass rushers, it counts as a blitz. So for the Vikings to have a below average blitz rate, even though, you know, they, they sometimes have five on the line and they could just send all of them is, uh, is already an issue. And then of course um, the fact that they, you know, are rarely sending defensive backs and especially Harrison Smith, um, I think compounds that issue. Yeah, that's great. Inman. One safety blitz. Unbelievable. Uh, by week, I'm not going to go over the pass and run block win rates this time. I know it's already been discussed, but the penalties, 
Such a huge difference in the Vikes from last year to this year, winning close games. No team has benefited more from penalties than the Vikes through their six games. They've gained a net of nearly 3.0 expected points added per game. They're not inflicting penalties. And on the other side, opposing teams are being flagged drastically more, whether that be Adam Thielen getting 75 holding or pass interference calls against him in Detroit or whatever the case may be. Penalties have been huge for the Vikes in the positive this year on both sides of the equation. So we'll use mine to pivot into a bit of a Cardinals preview conversation. Uh, are you guys familiar with Enya? Any Enya the fans? Band? Enya. Like only time. Is that a Stark? That's Arya. I haven't started House of the Dragon. No spoilers. Sam, when I ask you, is it the band, it would help for you to answer. Well, I just wanted to make about the point that Enya is a great band. Anya is an even better stat. Adjusted net yards per attempt. Um... I've killed a reef. Um, so adjusted net yards per attempt spits out a figure on offense, on defense. Guess who is dead last in the NFL in Anya? Uh, the Cardinals. Correct, Arif. Excellent. They are, and I have no like real scale to explain these numbers, but the Cardinals are minus 298 on offense in Anya, minus 227 on defense. The worst total deficit in the league. Bills number one, Eagles number two. Vikings aren't that much better. I mean, they're 20th, which isn't amazing. The defense really uh, really hits them there. Um, but the Cardinals, in that statistic, the worst team in the NFL. They're 3-4 and four overall, coming off a Thursday night win that cost Braun money in our gambling contest. What is the concern level? I always ask this question. Are you scared of the Cardinals? Luke Braun, are you scared always. of them? I am scared of every team in the NFL. The Vikings can lose to anyone. Of course I'm scared. However, <laughs> the new Call of Duty does come out two days before the game. So we have... New Modern Warfare comes out. The new Call of Duty has uh, has multiplayer coming out. That's important to Oh. Yeah. So we have and that th This is a us. Kyler Murray subtweet, right? I'm not missing... Yeah. Yes. Okay. This, this is why there was Brilliant. a homework clause in his contract. And also, <laughs> I think everybody in Arizona, like, hates each other. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Things That's are weird over like. there. But that doesn't mean that we can't screw up three coverages and lose by two touchdowns. They need to listen to some Enya. <laughs> need is Together. a strong word. It's a pursuit building. They need to play modern warfare. How often warfare does a new a Call of Duty come out? I feel like a new one just came out a few weeks ago or a few months ago. Because that's why everybody. Yeah, so a, so a new Call of Duty came out a few weeks ago. They're opening up multiplayer uh, oh, right see. before the Vikings play the Cardinals. But also a new Modern Warfare is releasing this weekend as well. So uh, those are those are those are different games. I'm told. Okay. Medal of Honor. Okay. I don't know. These, are all, these are all shooters. I'm not a shooters guy. Okay. Tactically, what are the Cardinals doing? well at this point like i i look at the individual performers on their team and other than hopkins and his debut i don't see a lot of like great players any longer on that roster it's just a, it's a different start to the season than it was a year ago when the cardinals were the, the greatest thing since sliced bread and you know inman I, it's hard to like pinpoint exactly who you're really like concerned about other than 
is Kyler Murray going to go off? Yeah, I'll be completely honest. I haven't watched enough Cardinals to really say who's sticking out on that team. Watch Thursday night on primetime. Isaiah Simmons, top 10 overall pick, finally made a play. Seems like he's been pretty disappointing up until this point. Uh, I go back to the quarterback-coach relationship. Kyler and Cliff just been at each other's throats all year. If nothing, highly entertaining for everybody else. Getting DeAndre Hopkins back, obviously that's going to help a lot moving forward. Robbie Anderson, a nice you know number three or four for that offense. But I think Thursday night, it was more about taking advantage of a backup quarterback, cashing in on those mistakes. They had two pick sixes than it really was like elevating their play I thought they took advantage of the mistakes made him pay put up 42 points you remember the shootout obviously last year between them and the Vikes so you know they can put up points but defensively yeah I look at this game and you come out of the bye for the Vikings offense this is a chance to I think really get your confidence so momentum rolling 25th in the league in points allowed playing at home hopefully made some adjustments during that bye I actually I'm with Luke I'm I'm not super confident about this one either. I'm worried any given week. think this is going to be a close game, far from a gimme. But win or lose, I think I'll be most disappointed if we don't start seeing more consistency from this offense versus this Cardinals defense that's obviously, again, on paper, giving up a lot of production. If you want Do we need to some, have... good, uh, so, some good confidence-building content, Locked On Cardinals, Alex Clancy, might be the biggest hater of his own team on the entire Locked On network. <laughs> He's angry of about anybody? Cliff Kingsbury constantly. It's amazing. Even the, even the Falcons guy? I think the Falcons this guy has just accepted what self-hate. they are. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, he's accepted what yeah. they are. It's Yeah, that, that changes things. Clancy yeah. wants heads to roll. I mean, so do Falcons. I gotta he's find <laughs> the latest like bet online odds on the next fired coach, because I get that email like every week. Um, but Kingsbury has got to be fairly high on that list. Maybe not in season because I just think that their, their aspirations are still make the playoffs and, you know, make a run. And usually teams that, um, have those aspirations don't fire the coach in season, but I think Kingsbury is on super on the hot seat. Um, I, I, would I feel like... like he has like even odds last time I checked. He's like, he's number one. Oh, for wow. Sure, but, oh, wow. Like it's like okay. even odds to be next to be fired. That's my. That's what I remember. I don't have the bet online odds in front of me, but it's like. But even if it's not even, it's like, close to. He's like the favorite. He's the next favorite now. Yeah, he's, after, he's uh, yeah he's favorite, and then Panthers, and then the only other coach that's remotely close to him is like Nathaniel Hackett, which like also that. Makes yeah. Sense. Oh so October fifth, October fifth. Josh McDaniels, were... where's he at? You think he's? I yeah, mean, I got him. One against Houston, but go ahead. So three weeks ago, three games ago, Matt Rule was one to two, like minus money on Matt Rule. He got fired. Mm-hmm. Nathaniel Hackett was next at six to one. And I think that case is already strengthened. Like he's probably down to four to one, three to one. Um mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury was number three at the time. Now he'd be number two at fifteen to two. Josh McDaniels twelve to one at the time. I don't know the updated totals. Yeah. Interesting. Kevin O'Connell not on the list. <laughs> Imagine that. So, top 10 quarterback conversation. Who is more likely, I guess, who is closer to being a top 10 quarterback in your eyes? Kirk Cousins or Kyler Murray? Luke Braun. Probably Kirk. Kyler Murray is, like, not having a great year, right? Like, neither is Kirk, but Kirk's winning. So, I have not looked. I feel like Kirk's having, like, an okay year. And 
Kyler Murray is having a like what's going on kind of year. But I haven't looked at a quarterback ranking all year, and I'm pretty proud of that. So I'm I'm going to defer this one to Luke, who writes them. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with Luke. I don't know Kyler's stats as as well as probably a Reef's going to rip out a bunch of great stats. But just seeing what we've seen over these first seven weeks, it feels like Kyler's just just the Cardinals in general. Again, that quarterback coach relationship, him and Cliff have just been an absolute disaster so far. Kirk, not great by any means, uh, but at least he's winning games in the process. Yeah, so uh, Crook is about half a yard ahead in adjusted net yards per attempt. So Anya, but Anya per attempt as opposed to the total value that Sam was using. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, he's a, a somewhat significant degree ahead of him. Um, the other thing is that Kyler Murray's performances are probably worse than some of his statistics indicate because he is benefiting a little bit more from uh, dropped interceptions. He is... Uh, getting a little bit more credit for big time throws, whereas Kirk's big time throws are not necessarily always converting into big plays. And so um, there's a little bit more meat on the bone for Kirk Cousins to to play a little bit better and a little bit less for Kyler Murray to have tolerance. Um, in terms of like on field play, uh, Kirk Cousins is a less limited passer. Um, obviously, Kyler Murray has all kinds of athleticism. He can do more things, but as a passer, Kirk Cousins can do quite a bit more, like throw over the middle of the field and have at least some semblance of, of consistent accuracy. Uh, and so Cousins is closer to being a top 10 quarterback right now. But here's the thing. If you asked me to pick a quarterback in a playoff game and you didn't know who the opponent was, all you knew is that they were a playoff opponent. Let's say it's not this year where there are no good teams. Let's say it's last year where there's a good chance you'll hit a good team in the playoffs. Uh, and you're up against a good team, and you know that there's a high likelihood that there's going to be a good quarterback, and your goal was to have the best quarterback on the field, I would I would rather have Kyler Murray because his ceiling is higher and his volatility is such that you can end up with a better performance. On average, Kirk Cousins is going to give you a much better performance than Kyler Murray. But in terms of the ceiling and the peak and, and embracing the volatility of being an underdog, you probably want Murray because I think a lot of these problems are actually Cliff Kingsbury problems not Kyler Murray problems. So Kirk well has good out. games. Think... Kyler has great games, just not as many. Not yeah, as definitely Isn't not as many, especially this year. Games. A little piece yeah. of this that feels kind of Eagles-like, though, and not to say that the Cardinals are the Eagles, but against this soft secondary that the speed of Moore, you know, DeAndre Hopkins catches everything. Robbie Anderson, don't really know how they're going to deploy him. I'm not a huge Robbie Anderson guy, but – there are enough weapons and a mobile enough quarterback that could it go pear-shaped the way that Philadelphia went. That, I guess, would be my concern. Robbie Anderson yeah, and, got and clamped it's... by rookie Cameron Dantzler. I refuse to respect him. Uh, his name is Sun God, and you will respect him. Um, no. Uh... <laughs> They're both nicknamed Sun God, okay, but for different reasons. I'll... Uh, but, well, but... I know who wins that then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, two enter, one leave. The 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 thing the thing about the the volumetric statistics for the Cardinals is they don't take into account DeAndre Hopkins for most of the year. He's only played one game and it was on a short week. They don't take into account Robbie Anderson. Um, and at some point, they're going to get Dennis Gardeck, uh, one of the, the most underrated defenders that they have, who's actually playing really well, back from injury. I don't know when that's going to happen. Maybe it's in a couple of weeks. So um, so not next week, but um, that defense could could get a 
decent amount better. I'm not expecting a ton out of Isaiah Simmons. I like Zayvon Collins, but he's not doing enough. I wish that we heard as much about Buda Baker this year as we did last year, but it seems like he's kind of disappeared and they need to get some new cornerback stat. But um, there is room for improvement and reason to believe that they'll improve. Maybe not enough to be a playoff team, but they um, there's reasons to think that there's going to be opportunities there for them to be a better passing game than the the broad statistics tell us because you know they're bringing in receivers, receivers coming back from you know suspension or something like that. So um, there's there's something there. I'm not like gonna talk them up more than just saying, hey, the Vikings just have bad luck against uh, teams when they're favored, but you know. There's something there. I'm not I sure I could name an opponent. Three, three or four trench players for the Cardinals collectively, offensive or defensive linemen. Obviously, you got J.J. Watt, uh, Will Hernandez, I think, is still Matt there. But Garcia. just nobody sticks out as core Rodney foundational Hudson. pieces. Nor, yeah, no yeah Ronnie Hudson, who I believe, is also injured. Yeah, it, uh, Ronnie Hunter. Yeah, I noticed uh, that. Uh, Hudson has come back. Uh, Kelvin Beecham is all right, but they're, they're going to want to replace him long term. Um, but yeah, I mean, Zach Allen is playing slightly better, but it's mostly JJ Watt. They okay. need Dennis Gardeck back and, and, um, they're, they're doing some blitzing stuff with like, you know, Marcus Golden and Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins and stuff like that. So that's kind of how they're attempting to generate a pass rush. Yeah. They're like Last a speed one on defense. This. Yeah. Would, would you say that this is the best opponent the Vikings have faced in the last five games? Lions, Bears, Saints without Jameis. Dolphins without Tua. This is the most dangerous game. I think. The I think Dolphins it's the most the dangerous. Um, I best. think yeah, I got to most... put the Dolphins in that discussion. But yeah, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say the Dolphins are a better team, but most dangerous, most likely to to do stuff that's unexpected or to just to kind of randomly pop off. The thing is, I mean, with the Dolphins, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were they were expected to play a third string quarterback, so it's really mm-hmm. difficult for me to to really contextualize how good that Dolphins team should have been, um, mm-hmm. but. The very few worlds where I'm going to accept off the bat that Skylar Thompson's first start, he's better than Kyler Murray. So um, it's it's tough, but I, you could make a case, I think, that, that this Cardinals team is the most dangerous one they've played in a while. Uh, a really own... important thing with the Cardinals is that they're an option team, and there's not a ton of, like, option as a bread and butter teams in the NFL. Like, we've seen some read option stuff with, like, Justin Fields, and I think there were a couple from Skylar Thompson. But the Cardinals, like, live Kyle on Jalen. it. Eagles. Oh, Remember right. the Vikings play the Eagles? That's their one loss. No, I don't know. I don't. I have no recollection of that game. I only remember crashing <laughs> your podcast after it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. That maybe that can go belly up. Real space bad against the reaction. the first time. Uh, mm. They got to reefs that, just then. salty expressions make this show. <laughs> That's why I get up on Monday morning. Our very own Luke Braun like appears on Locked on NFL frequently. Make sure you check out Locked on NFL and its NFL key prediction segment every Friday. Locked on's local expert experts give you the inside scoop on the five biggest games of the NFL weekend, including Sunday and Monday Night Football, plus betting advice from the field's leading, leading experts bet online. Follow NFL key predictions every Friday on Locked on NFL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I want to hear about your bye weekends, gentlemen. I want to hear how you consumed football, red zone, locked in on local game. Did you do yard work? Luke Inman, how was your Sunday? 
Uh, it was great, actually. The uh, godson came down from Fargo, North Dakota, brought the pups. We went to the puppy park a few times, went to Screamtown out in Chaska, checked out some haunted houses. And then Sunday, per usual, logged into Dad's Red Zone account, sat on the couch for seven hours and just ingested some football. Awesome. Arif, you're in Jacksonville? Uh, yeah, I mean, that that is one of the potential locations I could be in. Uh, in order to watch the games that I needed to watch, I needed to manipulate my uh, perceived location online, which took uh, quite a bit of doing. Um, but I was able to get my television provider to uh, serve me all the games I needed to watch. So that was nice on Sunday. Before that, um, I've been doing a lot of uh, furniture shopping. As you can see, my location is pretty bare, and it is very important for me to... Uh, complicate this crime scene so uh you know f finding new <laughs> finding new uh furniture has been a big a big part of it and also um i'm i'm coordinating with uh with um undercover operatives that was a great it's been a great <laughs> week i don't know what i just heard Cool. I don't know I think what that was the idea. Yeah. Don't remember it. You don't yeah. need to remember it. All right. Uh, I did chores most of the weekend. The rabbits needed to be brushed, which is something if you have pet rabbits, you need to occasionally brush out their undercoats. Otherwise, they'll get a hairball and they can't hock up a hairball like a cat can. It'll just block up their system and kill them. So it's a whole to do. It's a giant annoying process. And I got bit by and scratched a lot. Um, Good. but I Ouch. then spent Sunday doing all the chores I would usually do on Saturday, which was consumed by the rabbits. So I was just kind of doing laundry and watching red zone, which is, you know what? I'm so, been worse so happy that, that you're basically miserable all the time. Well, yeah, I mean, that's been the case since like 2003 <laughs> and it gives me great joy. Well, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I watched about 15 minutes of football over the weekend, um, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed spending time going to uh, going on walks with the kids and um, taking them on drives. Did a lot of, uh, you know, just parenting, just doing the old uh, domestic bliss kind of angle. But uh, for those that did watch more football than me, observations from around the league, like Red Zone's great. Because you see every key play. It's, it's the only the way when I am going to sit down Red and watch it. That's the only way to do it. Uh, Luke, sounds like you you vegged the most of any of us and watched all of it. What stood out to you about uh, the games yesterday? It seemed like a pretty non-competitive slate all like altogether. There weren't a lot of dramatic finishes. Red Zone, maybe the best invention outside, what, the microwave? Can I just say that? I mean, it's up there, it's guys. Up there. It's, it's, yeah. it's outstanding. Um couple observations. Old quarterbacks in the league, looking their age. A-Rodge losing to Taylor Heineke. Already talked about that. Brady and the Bucks losing to the Panthers after they trade C-Mac and Robbie Anderson by double digits. Even Matt Ryan lost to the Titans. You can see kind of the end of the era taking over with some of these younger quarterbacks developing. The older guys kind of getting weeded out. But probably of all of the games that I watched, the biggest storyline that's just watched unfold through these first six, seven weeks, the Seahawks pulling the swindle of the century, trading Russ and getting back all those picks. They free up all that money. They crushed their first draft. Kenny Walker looks like a stud. Tariq Woolen, he'll be up for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Two really solid tackles, Charles Cross, Abe Lucas. Boye Mafi could be solid. Kobe Bryant's legit. 
you could argue one of the best three draft classes through seven weeks, if not the best. And what's wild, they got four more top 60 picks as of today, next year, including the sixth overall pick they got from Denver. So they're getting more out of Geno Smith than they ever could have imagined for the now. And then what's going to be a really good quarterback class um, you know, they got a chance to bring in a new guy for the future with possibly a top five pick. So they're leading the NFC West. Nobody had that on their bingo card, setting themselves up very nicely to stock back up again after next year's draft. And, um, you know, that's been one of the crazier storylines, I think, that I've seen throughout the NFL through these seven weeks. Yeah, I think that draft class is better than the Saints 2017 class and the Vikings 2015 mm. class. Um, at least based on the information we have so far, that can all change. Yeah, but it is it is remarkable the return that they're mm -hmm. getting on this. At least again through seven weeks, that could all change. And you know, one of them's a running back, but you know, so is Alvin Kamara, right? Right. So, right. Um, but Seahawks homer. Uh, yeah. God. <laughs> um, but the observations is that the NFL is sloppy. It's bad. It's we don't have very good play so far. You know, most of these games have been really difficult to write about. What I'm planning, um, you know, before the week, which games I want to write about for Pro Football Network, we pick out some games that look like they'll be competitive, and half of them don't work out. And I've been talking to my editor, and he's like, "Yeah, this is unprecedented, really. Like, how often we, you know, try to find a good ma matchup and struggle, right? Like, there was nothing in the noon slate that turned out to be something that we wanted to write about beforehand. Now, afterwards, you know, it turns out we did actually want to write about, you know, the Commanders-Packers game. Um, but beforehand, you know, it was not, you know, interesting, right? Or like in the in the afternoon slate, we wanted to talk both about, you know, the, maybe the Seahawks-Chargers uh, game as well as the 49ers-Chiefs games. It turns out we ditched the Seahawks-Chargers game because it turned out not to be that interesting, despite the fact that it should have been because, you know, Justin Herbert's in that game. They've got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Geno Smith's an interesting story, but, you know, there was nothing there. So we went to the, the Chiefs 49ers game, which was a ton of fun to watch, but of course it turned out to be a blowout. Still worth watching. Uh, and then, you know, we had a, a kind of a nothing burger of a, of a, a Sunday night matchup. It started off pretty fun and then it just became kind of a slog. So I know it feels like this is what the NFL is right now. Yeah, especially if you don't get, you know, the Bills and the Chiefs playing each other, or at least one of those two teams playing on the weekend. Um, it's it's really tough to find, you know, fun football to watch. I hope, you know, I hate saying this, but I hope that Dak Prescott, you know, gets a lot better so that the Cowboys become watchable, right? In terms of, you know, week to week play. I hope that, you know, some of these teams figure it out, whether it's the Vikings being a little bit more watchable in their wins, whether the Giants are actually kind of fun to watch, but it, it it's always these like late fourth quarter plays mm -hmm. you know we talk a lot about how maybe the giants wild are sustainable, cat. The Vikings are not sustainable but like whether or not the giants are sustainable they're fun to watch so there's at least we've got some of that but a lot of this football is just ugly and bad and it's not just because scoring is down but i think that these are like related problems that there's like a confounding variable affecting both yeah i thought the best don't look play... now but the jets are five and two and i, I can't process that that's crazy that's crazy. Uh, Arif, there, is it bad quarterback play? Is it defenses getting better just, just collectively? What do you think it is? I mean, it's expressed as bad quarterback play. When you take a look at like the spreadsheets, right? It's like, wow, quarterback mm -hmm. performance is down. Production is down. Yards per attempt is down. Adjusted net yards per attempt is down. Interceptions are up. 
Um, you know, and obviously that turns into defenses having better performances on the field. You know, this is, we have a reduced points per game, which uh, last year was actually a dip from the year before in terms of points per game. It's the lowest since, um, I believe, like the early 2000s, last I checked. So um, really low or no, uh, right before 2011. So there's like a there's an explosion right after the lockout in terms of points. And so 2010, I think, is the last time we've had uh, points this low. But 2010 was entertaining football if you weren't a Vikings fan. So, uh, you know, it, it's kind of interesting that it's it's not just that offenses are playing poorly and defenses are playing well because you can still have some pretty entertaining football, as we saw uh, in previous seasons where you had less scoring. So I think it's just it's messiness. And I don't know what's causing it because we had cleaner football in a year without a preseason. So it's clearly not because we have three preseason games instead of four. And no one plays in the fourth preseason game anyway. You know, it might be the practice of, of you know, being really careful with your starting quarterbacks and <laughs> But it's not it's not because of a lack of preseason play. We had cleaner football in 2020 when there was no preseason. Right. And so that can't be it. You know, it might be the practice of making sure that that quarterbacks and starters just don't participate in practices and don't participate in the preseason. That might be playing a role. But it feels like that that's kind of a, a, a non entity. Right. I think part of it is that some of these older quarterbacks, like Luke had mentioned earlier, um, are fading away. You know, that Tom Brady is checked out for a bunch of reasons that I don't blame him for. That Aaron Rodgers is on his last legs because he just cannot work with an offense that's not perfectly suited to him. Uh, that, you know, we, we saw a couple of retirements. Matt Ryan is already gone. Philip Rivers retired. Ben Roethlisberger retired. You know, and so we've got fewer quality quarterbacks in the league and some of these young guys that were hoping to replace them there was a dearth of quarterbacks that you you just couldn't bring in good quarterbacks that would be elite suddenly we have a few but they're inconsistent right the only one that is really consistent right now is Patrick Mahomes maybe you throw in Josh Allen into the mix but we're not getting consistent performances from you know Lamar Jackson we I don't know if we can count on Jalen Hurts to continue doing this going forward Justin Herbert is not playing consistently even though he's supposed to be one of those young quarterbacks and so there might be a, a dearth of quarterbacks we might just be hitting a generational change. Um, I, I think, you know, a lot of us, including me, have blamed the increase in uh, two high safety coverages, whether that's cover two, cover four, or cover six. And that has been happening. But it feels like that there's no way that that's the only explanation. There's got to be another explanation. Offensive line play is up from where it was four years ago. So that can't be it. I don't know, but it is really difficult to figure out. Yeah. In yeah, and with 2013, the best quarterback out of that class was Geno Smith. In 2014, best quarterback out of that class, Derek Carr? 2015? Yeah, there was just a chunk of time. We just didn't mm -hmm. draft quarterbacks that yeah. were good. Yeah. Yeah. And we had the golf Wentz year, and then we have to go all the way to Mahomes. Like, so between Winston Mariota? Like, Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes, you got like maybe one quarterback a year that had any staying power. And so now we have a whole bunch of teams like rolling out with either like those guys or the corpse of Matt Ryan. Yeah. It's, a, it's like a lost uh, generation of quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I just love that the Winston Mariota discourse has flip-flopped so many times because it started out Mariota's better. It's clear. Oh, now it's Winston. Now it's Mariota. Now it's like, I think there's been about five lead changes in like who won between those two. Um, we're, we're running out of time. Let's get into our party fouls for the week. It's the biggest blunder that you experienced um, professionally, that you saw in football, something awkward that happened socially. It's party fouls. Let's do it. 
it's time to tell you who spilled their proverbial drink on the sofa. Get ready for this week's party foul. Um, Arif mentioned that the Sunday night game was a slog. I needed that slog. Oh, and I have to update the gambling too. We all treaded water. One and one, Luke. One and one, Luke. Myself, one and one because of the slog on Sunday night. I hit the under. Arif Hassan, though, needs the oh. under in Bears Patriots to go two and zero. Oh. So a big chance Bailey's for Arif happy. to open up. I hope you start. His lead needs no <laughs> points in that game. Um, we'll have the updated totals on Thursday. So double party foul from the Sunday night game. Not only does Kenny Pickett throw a scatterbrained interception to lose that football game, um, but the official who waved it incomplete, I mean, that's <laughs> that's one of the worst calls that I think I've ever seen. And thankfully, they didn't even have to go to a review. The other officials came and just talked sense into him, or they got something in their ear that said, you're you're blind. This is clearly a completion. But the picket throw combined with the officials' uh, wave off was a double party foul to end just another sloppy, messy, uh, wretched primetime national game. That's fair. Uh, I also want to yell at some officials. My, uh, that's fair. I'm gonna I'm gonna take my party foul from this game before anyone else can because it's the one I can remember, and I didn't prepare for this segment because I took too much time preparing for nerdy side of the day. Um, which is the, <laughs> which is uh, the um, the Dolphins' choice to uh, go for it instead of kick a field goal. Um, this was on fourth and three. Uh, the score was sixteen to ten. It was at um, the Pittsburgh fourteen um, with uh, in the third quarter with eight forty three left. Um, and the thing is, I enjoy a world where we're finally getting to the point where coaches are being too aggressive and they're on the other side of the recommendation so that now we're getting a good kind of split between like what's being recommended and what's not. Um, but here it was really advantageous against an anemic offense to go up two scores and the number of possessions it would have taken Pittsburgh to come back and win the game at that point, even though it was in the middle of the third quarter, was more important then uh, attempting to generate good field uh, to uh, generate another touchdown and or um, benefit from good field position because the likelihood of the field goal was so high and the advantage of having a two possession lead was so big in this particular game um, that it, that to me was a mistake is that when you when when the analytics finally tell you essentially to be conservative you choose not to do it it I like the world that that is but when you do make those mistakes it's still a mistake. Jeff Lamberth, side judge, and Trip Sutter, line judge in the Carolina-Tampa Bay game, approach after the game Mike Evans and get him to sign something. This is a very big, this is against the rules. They're not supposed to do it, and it's pretty improper. They're supposed to remain uh, unbiased. But for me, A, that's lame as hell. I'd ask after the game. You're on the side. You can like just go up to someone, ask after the game uh, to do this in private. So that we do not have to discuss this all week. This is going to be a very annoying story. And the NFL is reviewing the incident, which means this is going to make headlines again. And we'll all have to deal with it again. How dare you? Yeah. Uh, more officiating. Um, I'm just reading about this end of the Cleveland-Baltimore game. It sounds like there is a phantom false start that pushed Cleveland back in field goal range from 55 to 60. 
I'm just kind of reading about it. Maybe somebody could chirp in. Does anybody know what happened there? Because it sounds yeah, there was, like it, it was just there was a no false horrible. Start. I called a false start. Yeah, <laughs> that's that it. is an accurate that's assessment. It. I thought yeah. Mitchell Schwartz. Okay. Mitchell Schwartz pointed out that the tight end moved and they like called the wrong number or something. That's that was my understanding. But it was Got like it. not on the guy that they called. Okay, maybe maybe All right. my party fall on that, that guy. No false start. But yeah, party fall. That's on what I thought. That's that's what I heard. The the replay doesn't look like a false start to to me. Yeah. But um, hey, what do I know? It's, oh, that was all four. One score game too. Yeah, it was, and they missed a no guarantee they make that field goal though, fifty six yards, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, no guarantee yeah. they make With, that. Uh, and I like yeah. I like With Baltimore more all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Browns cannot make a clutch field goal to save their life. Uh, rough going for Kevin Stefanski right now, and that doesn't even include the firestorm around Deshaun Watson. Like it's just bad on the field. Um, right now, and then Watson has to come back probably to a bad team and make all these other headlines. So not a great situation in Cleveland. Thursday's show, it's going to be fun. We'll get more into Vikings-Cardinals. We'll welcome Ron Johnson into the show, um, and we'll have some other fun activities as well. Um, but until then, it's Luke Inman. It's Arif Hassan. It's Luke Braun. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Check out all of our shows on Locked On Sports Minnesota. You can like, subscribe, and comment on the YouTube channel. Get all of the shows on video. And when you comment, when you subscribe, that just helps spread the love, spread the brand of Locked On Sports Minnesota, help other people discover the show. We'd appreciate that. Amazon Fire and Roku, you can find us there as well. Until Thursday, uh, we will see you then on the Minnesota Football Party. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.